Welcome to the June episode of this podcast. If you're new to this place, welcome for the first time. Uh, There are three other episodes that I would love for you to hit subscribe, rate, and review and listen to. Not in that order. Well, this, uh, this podcast this month is based around a friend of mine, and he's a friend who is an artist. He is a comic book artist and creator of a local comic book called The Unforgiven. His name is Tyler B. Ruff. He's from Waterloo. We met in uh, college at Illinois State University. It just happenstance how we we met. He was uh, obviously a fine arts major and was pursuing his goals of creating comics. I was a radio major, mass comm, and so we actually met through the radio station that is run by students there at Illinois State called WZND. And Tyler and I, our personalities just mesh. And he's fun. He's kind of angry, but in a like a haggerty old man way. And it's nice to have him in my life. And uh, he's very creative. In fact, he he made the artwork for this podcast that you see, which is a drawing of me laughing. So we get into the story behind that. But aside from art, we talk about uh, you know what it's like to continue to learn as as we grow older, having empathy and. Just, you know, what it means to be authentic in everything you do. And I think you'll really hear that with Tyler. He is definitely no apologies about who he is, uh, but he's a good person and he's got his brain in a place that I know all the women that know him are, we love him. So uh, I think you'll get a kick out of Tyler for his anger, (laughs) which is humorous, as well as just some of the most uncomfortable moments uh, in this podcast are me eating avocado toast and him not allowing me to just connect to him. He he kind of gives me some pushback on things, which is great because I love that. So this is my conversation with Tyler B. Ruff at Rise Coffee Shop in the Grove. Enjoy. We actually ever signed a contract, but we kind of had a uh, handshake agreement that you would be on this podcast oh, because sure. you are the reason that I have art for this podcast. Kind of, yeah. And um, but and we're going to get to that. But I was thinking on the way over here as I drove here about how we how long we've known each other because we met in college at Illinois State, and I want to talk a little bit about that whole moment because. You and I met because of radio. Yep. And you, audi- I was the program director for WZND. Yep. And you came in. You're in. You're a fine arts. Yeah. Major yeah. at the time, right? Right. And so, you, why did you come into the radio station? Oh, well, you know, because I was just miserable and looking for a reason not to kill myself, and I. <laughs> so you came into a radio and I, station, and I saw that flyer <laughs> that said that you were having auditions for DJs, and I was like, "Well, I've never done that. Let's let's see." Yeah. So, so you'd never... it turns out we know a lot of the same people and are from the same two small towns right next to each other. And yes. Yeah. Um, it, that that is the weirdest thing because you came in and so at the time, just to put the, set this in perspective for everybody, at the time I was the program director and I was auditioning everybody who was incoming that wanted to have an air shift, and I don't know if the application that we had like said like where are you from or how it like made it available. I think it did. I think it said I was from Waterloo. And you go, wait, you're from Waterloo? I'm yeah. like, why is that significant? Nobody knows where that is. Right. And I'm like, I'm from Columbia. And then from there, you got the DJing position. What time slot were you? Do you remember? Uh, Probably I, like 4 to 7 a.m. It was, yeah, it was something early and crazy. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. 
you know, something like that. Did you enjoy that? Um, not particularly. I liked the. <laughs> I liked the. Um, I did promotional work like later on, uh-huh. just like recording, just ad spots and stuff like that, and I liked that part. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the. I guess the spontaneity of the, of the actual doing it doing it part. Did you have a DJ name? Yeah, it was Scuzz. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh my God. Stu still calls me that. That's so funny. Stu. Yeah. Anytime, Stuart, anytime, he'll, anytime he'll like, occasionally he'll like tweet at me or like once he messaged me and he'll, he'll still call me that. He's so funny. Like that's a throwback. He, uh, I had lunch with him. He is in an, he went to second city up in Chicago yeah. and is really big into improv and, um, he is so great. He always sends me a Christmas card each year and he has since we graduated, which I love. And then, um, We've always kept in touch, and I wouldn't say that he and I, out of, like, everybody I worked with at WZND, I wouldn't say that he and I were, like, the closest, but I have kept him and you, even though you and I had, like, a break of friendship for a while just because you were still in school and I was older, but as far as keeping in touch with regularity, Stu is definitely the person that does that, and I love that about him. I pretty much only had that with Kate, Kate Sheehan. Yes. Yeah, we talked for, I haven't talked to her in a couple of years. Because I know she's, like, all engaged now and has a whole different life. And, she's the cutest. Yeah. She's cool. Um, okay, so we are at WCND, and then we realize that we live... We, obviously, the whole reason we became friends is because we lived a town apart, and so... Well, the reason we became friends is because you needed to do the laundry. And you and had a... I lived the floor underneath <laughs> the laundry. Yes. And so what we would do is... And you had never seen Six Feet Under. Nope. And so that was my favorite show at the time, and I had the entire box set. And so what we would do is... Because in Waterson Tower at Illinois State, the laundry is up at the very, very top, yep. which is awesome because there's like a 360 view of the town up there. And so we would do our laundry on the same day, and then we would hang out watching Six Feet Under in your room, or we would like watch other crap. I don't remember what else we did. Like, there was always... It was it, mostly just watching stuff. Watching stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And hanging out. Yeah. Every week. Well, we took a bunch of photo booth photos, too. We did a ton of we photo had, shoots. Because photo booth on the Mac was, like, still a new, like, novel thing at right. that time. God, those photos. And you look at them now, and it's like, they're the shittiest photos that's ever existed. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> so, so then, let's just cut to, then we are, you didn't have a car at Illinois State. I nope. did. So I would take, anytime I would go home, you're like, I'll go home if you're going home. Yep. And so I would drive you back. And we did that, like, a hundred times. And the one night, I always tell people about, because it's an amazing story about when I got my wisdom teeth pulled out. See, my senior year of college, first of all, it's the best because you'll lose, like, a ton of weight. Secondly, I had a prescription for Percocet because of the pain. But that that happened on, like, a – I think we came back on, like, a Thursday. My operation happened on a Friday. All weekend I was, like, down for the count. And then come Sunday, we had to get back to school. And so you had to drive my car yeah. <laughs> to Illinois State. And so – I didn't realize how bad the motion sickness would be with the Percocet. And so I, like, popped one thing. And I'll just, like, sleep the entire way. And that is not what happened. I yacked all over Highway 55. Yep. So then, (laughs) cut to, I graduate in December of 07. And then, what year did you graduate? Uh, 2010. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, Was it lonely without me up there? It was a lonely period. (laughs) It's a lonely place. Unless you're from Chicago. Yeah. I feel like it is. Did you, like, who did, Who else did you adopt from Illinois State that you're still friends with? Aside from the radio people. Mm, are, are there people? Not really. Really? Not really. 
What was it that like was being lonely an art experience. major? I don't. I can't imagine what that's like. Like, what were your classes? Um, well, the ones that I liked, um, I liked advanced drawing and and figure drawing, mm-hmm. um, and lithography. All the classes I liked didn't happen until senior year. Lithography is that like making posters? Yeah, yeah, yeah essentially like making prints with, yeah. a, with a press and stuff. Um, those are the those are the ones I actually liked, but it wasn't until senior year that I found that and had professors who actually were interested in helping me get better at what I wanted to do rather than trying to make me do what they wanted. And like, like this is how I make my work, now do it this way. Right. Like, that's not what I want to do, though, and I'm here to learn how to do what I want to do better. And what did you want to do? Comics, illustrate, you know, illustrative work. Um, and all they wanted to do was, you know, abstract fine art. I'm like, I'm not into that. That's not my bag. What... Now let's talk because that's obviously what you do now. You are doing what you want. I am, yeah, and I was, and I was then too. I, I just know. wasn't having any help with it. The so I know we'll get to. The, oh, I have avocado toast and it's just banging yeah, so up it's this millennial place. over here. Just you know, <laughs> um, I'm gonna eat this while we do this. I say this like I'm not. And I can hear all the you. little crumbs and crap. Okay, so, so people, what's that called when people hate the sound of people eating? Um, well, there's misophonia, that's which is just I'm the talking. hatred of sound in general. Oh, maybe that's what it is. This has to be. This is kind of like that. Um, oh, what is it? Whenever people like, like rub. oh ASMR. Yeah, or, yeah. I wonder if there's an ASMR. <laughs> Probably. Of, You're um, gonna get some fetishists listening to this. Like, <laughs> maybe I will. What if there's an ASMR of somebody cutting up avocado toast? I'm sure. That's what I I'm can sure hear it everything. exists. The internet exists. I'm sure that does Here on it go. somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Listen so, to that toast. Listen so to that great. toast crack. So, I want you to tell me when exactly you knew you wanted to do comics. Uh, when I was five. And what was the inspiration for that? I was given a comic book. And what was the comic book? It was uh, a Sonic the Hedgehog comic book for oh my, my for my um, kindergarten graduation. Oh. And it was like that, and then a couple of years later, I got a Spider-Man. My, my grandma used to go to the pharmacy, the Revco Pharmacy in Columbia, and pick up her prescriptions. And they oh, used yeah. to have those, like, three packs of, like, just random comics. And there was a Spider-Man one in there. But Sonic the just, Hedgehog was the first? Yeah, just because I liked the character. Did like, you have a Sega Genesis? I didn't. I didn't have a video game system until um, well into high school. It was, like, my senior year of high school. I had a Game really? Boy as a I kid. I did, too. But that was all I had. Did you have Sega or Sonic the Hedgehog Game Boy Games? No, I no. All I had, all I had was like I had Pokemon and a few other games, like 1998. I had Game Boy and Game Gear. Yeah, Game Gear was Sega. Sega with Sonic and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, what did you? What drew you to loving comics? Where you thought I want to make my own? It's just kind of how my brain works and has always worked. It's just like some things, I can express textually, and mm-hmm. some things, you know image with images and it's the perfect marriage of the two there's just some things i can't express one way or the other and it combines them both perfectly it's really you know one of the only mediums that works that way and it's just kind of how my brain worked and was like all right when did you start like because i feel like you've been working on the unforgiving since we were in college yep i have and when exactly did it start um i started making that in 2004 and I, I got like seven or eight issues into it 
but it's all, you know, not great quality because it's... It was early. It was early. Right. And then I started seriously making it in college and, and publishing it in 2012. Tell me how the... Well, I want... This is a two This is a two-load question because the first question is, and I'm sure you learned this as you mm-hmm. went through school, how do established comic book creators... Are they... How do you say it? Like, illustrator? Well, there's like a team of a whole bunch of people who works on most books. I don't... Most people don't do it all themselves. Right. I'm but, just insane. But are they called illustrators <laughs> or are they called artists? It depends what they do. Okay. Um, because there's a person who just like does the pencils. So they're the penciler, you know? Okay. And then there's an inker who just does the inks and there's a colorist who just does the colors. You know, the writer does the script. There's just an artist who does the cover and there's that's the cover artist, but I do literally all of it. Mm-hmm. So what was it about the unforgiven that you said, okay, I want to start a storyline that's like this and then how did you go about starting it? And was it like conventional? Like do all comic book creators make their stories and their comic books happen the same way? Is there like a, is there like a uh, template to start out with? And like, how did you do that? And then I want to go into how the Unforgiven came about. Like where did that storyline come from? Well, I did it wrong. Oh, oh great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't do anything the way... It's mostly traditionally done, like right to the right down to like the medium. I was doing just all, all graphite, and you know some some like indie comics and zines do it that way, but nothing like industry standard really. Um, it's getting it's opened up a lot more just from 2013 to like the present day. There's just been a surge of diversity both in medium and in creators and in like methodology. Like it's all just exploded. Right. Which has been awesome and has provided just opportunities that weren't there before. But when I started, I wasn't making anything that was like how it was done, and that was fine with me. I don't. Let's. I mean, look at me. Look at my life. Like you know, me. You're I don't. Best. I don't really yeah. do. I don't really do things like conventionally. Conventionally, right? I'm just well, like, well, this is how I want to do it, so this is how I'm going to do it. So then, okay, so you start it unconventionally, yeah. and you say the drawings. <laughs> The first um, adaptions of the story, maybe did you go back and redo them after I you've want to? Sk- oh, you haven't. I done really it yet. want to. Okay. Um, every time I look at like my first few issues, you know, in the in the graphite, I'm just like, one day I'm gonna go back and, and redo all these in the in the ink and the and the Copic markers and the digital coloring like I do now. Mm-hmm. One day, but I also am sitting on that because I, I wonder if. It gets picked up by some, you know, some publisher. I'd like to do Image or, or Dark Horse or someplace that does creator-owned work. If it does get picked up with that, and they want some things to be done like a little differently, right. and I'll have already done it over once. I'm so like, you don't, you're like waiting. Yeah, so I'm just kind of waiting on that. Isn't it? I mean, I for me, I've never bought a comic book. I've never like the, as, as close to a graphic novel as I've attached myself to is the <laughs> movie The Crow. Like that's yeah, you know well, what I'm saying. And, yeah, and that's based on a graphic novel. Yes, so, there you go. But I've never I've flipped through the graphic novel version of that mm-hmm. movie, and um, you know, so I do you have to start with edition one, like like for, the first for mine book? specifically? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So then, or you'll be lost. So people, like when you go and you sell your comic books at comic book conventions, mm-hmm. are people looking at the first version, the first issue, mm-hmm. and saying, "Oh my gosh, is such a difference"? Or it, did you you printed that obviously? Mm-hmm. But like, how many editions are there now? How many issues? Uh, I'm up to. I'm working on the 14th overall issue of the wow. series, but it's the 10th, well, the 11th full length that I'm working on. I've got three like half issues in there, mm-hmm. and those are kind of in, injected through 
throughout the series. Yeah, it's the it's the fourteenth overall, and so yeah, people people mostly pick up the the first issue, and I've like redone the cover for it at least, and you know put out a different. So all the ones that existed with the with the first cover are done. Like that's mm-hmm. if you have that, and someday I make it. Congratulations. That's like, gonna be worth a lot of that's money. That's gonna be worth a lot because that's all there is. People pick up either the volume one and two like set because I sell those at like a pretty big steal, mm-hmm. and that's the first eight full-length issues and then like three half issues in those and then they'll pick up just the number one like issue a lot so So what is the story about it is about a group of rebels trying to take down a corrupt government after a war has destroyed most of the planet okay and what is the time that's set in i've left that pretty ambiguous just because it could be anywhere anytime it Mm -hmm. could be today you know And a lot of it. It's really unfortunate because a lot of what I've written mm-hmm. was like almost a decade ago now. Right. And I was like, oh, hey, if we don't deviate from this path we're on, this is the horror show that could result. And then I just sit here making my <laughs> slow comics watching as like the world burns. The world becomes the reality that I said a decade ago was going to happen. And what? I'm like, well, shit. What if you're writing what's happening? Like the never ending story. Yeah, I'm I'm making this happen. Yeah. Well, in that case, I don't want to. Need to get out of here. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, obviously, like things change over the course of our lives. And Mm -hmm. so, have you noticed that in the ebbs and flows of your personal life that Mm -hmm. you've added things to like maybe the protagonist of the story or maybe the antagonist of the story takes on events or features of people that are real things that are real yeah definitely like things in my life definitely color like the the characters and and uh there's a lot of them and Mm -hmm. you know no no one character is like a stand-in for me or something like that i don't have any of that but but it's it's inevitable that you know things that happen to a person and you know in their life that's gonna bleed over right so yeah do you ever make like extras like people, like based on people you know. Oh, definitely. Really? Oh, yeah. Have I ever been Except featured in your comic book? I do have that disclaimer <laughs> the, in the, the beginning likeness. that says that that's that that doesn't happen. Yeah. It does though. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't though. Right. It does, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. right. You can use my likeness in any way you want forever, cool. and I don't really care how it's used. I'll take you up on that because I'm always like, uh, who's, I need somebody. I need to somebody be this. to kill. I need somebody to be this. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's definitely been, like, people who have pissed me off that I may or may not have... Like, yeah, <laughs> taken out. On, yeah, no, that's Not good. taken out, but just, like, based on... Hmm. It's like, oh, this guy's a an asshole. Who, like, who can I make this look like? That's pretty good. This guy's got an asshole face, but I think I think that just because he was one to me. Right, well, and then forever in time, <laughs> yeah. he's in the Unforgiven. Right. <laughs> what does the Unforgiven mean? Is, it, is that the rebel's... Like group, yeah, it okay. is, and that's um, I just got around to like describing that, describing that in this latest issue, because that was just that was the place it was supposed to be, so it finally took that long. Yeah, it's um, because basically one of the one of the government soldiers is just telling these people that their crimes are unforgivable, mm. unforgivable, and they're like, well, we don't care, we'll be the unforgiven then, and we'll, you know, we're gonna take our world back. So wait, when so you're into four? You said fourteen. Mm-hmm. So then, how long? Because the thing that I don't understand, and I, all my friends, you included, are part of this culture of nerddom where, mm-hmm. like. For me, I don't understand. I mean, I, I understand where all these movies that come out based around comic book heroes and whatever are, they're endless. And mm-hmm. so, like, I don't understand. Is there an expiration date, an end date on comic books? If there is, I don't think we're going to hit it for quite some time. Really? Well, I mean, it's been going on since the 30s, you know. And no, I, I don't mean like. Are. I don't mean like that they will 
become extinct. Oh, I, I, see. I I'm talking about like for Stanley, for instance, mm. like the characters he's made. Are there volumes and issues that are uh, character specific that go on for twenty five books and then they stop because oh, sure. there's an end? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's lots of limited limited series and mm-hmm. then there's ongoing series. Yeah. So mine's a mine's a limited. It's just 50 issues, issue 50, that's it, it's done. So you know, do you have like storyboards for each issue, what's going to happen? Yeah, I've got the, I've had the whole thing <clears throat> written since 2010. Oh, wow. So it's, it's done. It's just the illustrating part that takes forever. And let's talk about that, like, so the illustrating, so you mm-hmm. are, tell me how often you're working on this. Uh, I work on The Unforgiven Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I put in at the very least a 12 hour day on those days. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working right now. Are you? This is, I mean, kind of. I'm talking about it. Yeah, this is work. So, this is work. I mean, not really, but... 12-hour days? Yep, 12-hour days. What happens, like, d- okay, so then what does that mean? You have an art space for everything you need to do in your house. hmm yeah. I've and got one, one at my parents' house and then one at my apartment, and yeah. depending on where I am, whichever day I'm working, you know. And so then, like does if it... I, if I have to be there, I'll just take my work there, and then I'll work there, and then bring it back home, and... Do you um, have to, like, stretch your arms out? <laughs> like, don't your arms hurt from I hurt, drawing? All of me hurts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hurt, too. I think that's just part of being alive and being old. Yeah, life hurts. I'm 30, but I feel a million years old. You seem a million. I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to listen to this and go, I don't understand. Who is this old Who bastard? This Who's man? this old sad bastard? All right, well, let's pause the Unforgiven and go back to our friendship. Because sure. So you graduated in 2010? From college, yeah. And then you came back home. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you pretty much hit the ground running with making sure that anything that was going on, like comic book day or mm-hmm. conventions, that you were getting yourself in there. So chances are people go to these things. Maybe they've even seen your booth at, like, festivals. And yeah, hopefully. Conventions, hopefully. Yeah. How often, How many conventions do you do a year? I try to do 12 or so a year. Like one a month? 10 to 12, yeah. That's great. Yeah. And where have you gone to farther, like, regional or is it national? I mostly stick around here, um, but I, I try to do one travel show a year so i've done planet comic-con like out in kansas city i did um spx out in in maryland last year that was the farthest i've gone so far for it that was a lot of fun that's cool was it a good receiving of the comic yeah it was it was a a good experience and i I also went to um i used that trip to also go to washington dc because i've got an issue coming up that's set there so i was like i need references (laughs) yeah so i went and booked a tour of the white house almost didn't get in thought for sure they were reading my stuff and was like this guy can't come anywhere near here (laughs) what did you what do you do when you're observing places like that do you take notes or i took lots of photos and lots of videos so that you know in the video i can just pause it at whatever like angle angle i need and then uh yeah lots and lots of photos is your comic book explicit Mm, um, I say that it's generally like 15 and up. Okay. You know, it's not like, there's nothing like horribly. The isn't in it? Oh, no, it's definitely in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the language is the worst <laughs> thing. Yeah. It's it's not particularly violent and it's not, you know, pornographic. Sexual, right. It's just. The F word's a part of it. Though. It's Oh, yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> I, find, I find it becoming more and more a part of it over the years, too. <laughs> Whenever I first started writing it, it was issue two, and, uh. This one of the characters and another one, actually two of the characters, they come up on this like big open pit full of bodies that 
like the government's just like dumped in this mm-hmm. mass grave and i was like really the only the only like appropriate reaction here is is to drop the f-bomb but it's like but what if that alienates readers so i reached out to to neil gaiman I don't, do you know nope. do you know Neil Gaiman? Mm-hmm. He's a he's a pretty big author and and he's done comics work too. And I was like, is this should I should I put this in here? Is this gonna like prevent me from like is this gonna alienate readers? Is this gonna prevent me from doing like what I want to do? And he actually responded and he was like, I feel like I put it in in Stardust whenever I was writing it because I wanted people to know like early on you can stop reading now if you have a problem if with you have this. A problem, right. And he, he said, I, I don't you know those aren't the kind of readers you want anyway if they're the ones that are alienated Cruise. by that. And I was like, oh, you're right. So I put it in there. <laughs> had no qualms about it since. Did you ever get to meet Stanley? I did. I met him once when he was here. I gave him my first issue of The Unforgiven. And, you know, I said, you know, thanks for everything. And and he signed one of my copies of Spider-Man. I said, how are you doing today? And it was, he stopped for a minute. Like nobody had asked him like yet how he was. Mm-hmm. And he paused and he thought. And he goes, well, nobody's hit me yet, so pretty good. Oh, that's good. <laughs> How old was he when he... He just died a year he ago. Did. I think he was... Hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when random honks happen. Yeah, oh, sure. that's a, that is a... That is a very... That's a fire truck. Let's let this happen sure. during our episode. All right. There we go. And it's gone. I think it was 95, if I remember right. Wow. Again, I don't like... And I met have, him when he was 90. I don't have, like, a background with comic books at all, but, you know, all my good friends are comic book nerds and so whenever i went to go see uh captain marvel and they did like the tribute to stan Mm -hmm. in the marvel uh intro or intro i i mean i even got sad you took chelsea that didn't you i did take chelsea and then she's like a huge captain marvel fan well what's funny so chelsea for people that don't know chelsea's my best friend and you're actually dating my best friend (laughs) i am i am you have you have taken one of the people that matters most to me and you are dating her. well it's your fault because you introduced us a year ago this is true um no it's so funny to me like thinking about that it's uh yeah, that's hilarious. But I did take Chelsea to Captain Marvel because that's her favorite. And so when we had the press screening of that, I was like, oh, I have to take you because I, I wouldn't have gone if she didn't want to go, but she wanted to go. So we went and, you know, I don't even get into this stuff and I'm crying in the movie too. So it's, I mean, they're definitely good movies. They just, you know, I wish I had the, and I just don't, it's it's like sports to me where I just don't have the drive to know more. And mine is the opposite where I'm that way about sports. Yes. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I, yeah. I do not care about sports at all, but, <laughs> you know, but I have to like kind of care because people, you know, again, like right. Tim is big into sports. So I have to like have some interest to help him. I'm un- so glad know. I don't even have to kind of care to <sighs> much of the disappointment of my father. <laughs> yeah. Your brother is a sports person though, right? Oh yeah, he is too. Yeah. So he can be, he can be dad's sports kid. There you go. And is. Now let's talk family. So your family life, you have a brother, mm-hmm. parents are still married. Mm-hmm live in the country. Yep. And so where does this um, artistic ability come from? I had to do something to entertain myself. Really? We didn't get the internet until 2005. That's good. At at, at my parents' house. So it's, uh, you know, I just needed something to, to do. And I just, I just, I found that enjoyable. And because I was making, you know, I was drawing and stuff before I even started reading comics at, you know, like in kindergarten, like right. five years old. I was spend recess drawing stuff and so it's just kind of i don't know it's just kind of inherently in me that's interesting and it just uh yeah my mom's she was kind of like artistic in high school but she didn't really pursue it right she doesn't she does like interior she likes interior decorating 
But your like grandpas or grandmas, anybody like that mm-hmm. through your lineage? No, not that I not that I know of. I think I've got a sketchbook of my great grandmas on my dad's side, but hmm. you know, my mom was always very encouraging about it, and right. uh, I guess that's all you really need is just well, I'm interested in this, and then have someone push you a little bit to do be, it, be encouraging about it. Well, that's the truth. I mean, family is so important with getting behind and rallying behind their kids, mm-hmm. especially parents. You know, but it could be anybody. It could be an aunt. Or, like for me, my grandma was really a pivotal part of my confidence mm. in my life and you know like i'm sure if my mom would listen to this or my dad would hear this or whoever like they say well what, what about us and it's like well i think that you find somebody in your family whether it's immediate like your mom or your dad or like for me i was really close to my grandma and she definitely like instilled in me the you can do anything attitude yeah. and um i just think that that is so important for kids growing up to have it an early part of their life and then it doesn't have to be as pressuring in their later years because I feel like you kind of grow your own legs about mm-hmm. it but you know without her pre- like she passed away in 2011 <clears throat> and so she she didn't get to see me flourish in my career she got to hear me on the radio a few times but like you know nothing like I'm doing today and I think that if she were still around, it would be so interesting to see what she would still be bringing to my heart and, to, you know, to my joy every day. My, my grandma was very encouraging of, <clears throat> of my art, too, and, and, yeah. and doing that. I'd spend summers stapling computer paper together and making crude comics, you know, <laughs> over... When I had, like, some character who always wet his pants all the time, and just, you know, <laughs> that's what you do when you're... Why? ...that age. Because it's hilarious. Like, when you're, when you're like, in fourth grade or something, some guy peeing his pants all the time is the funniest thing in the world. And then my, my fourth grade teacher would let me, like, read those out in front of the class, you know, as an adult. I'm like, huh, what a rebel. Like, she could have gotten in trouble for that. Yeah, nowadays nobody's doing that. Yeah. That's but, really funny. Yeah. But she was, uh, my grandma was always very encouraging of that. And then after she died, um, she didn't get to see me publish my first book either. That happened right after she died and we found a folder like a manila file folder mm-hmm. that she had saved labeled tyler's drawings from when he got serious and she would just like save all these no. like she it was so embarrassing she'd save like napkins and crap I that i'd that. scribble on and it's like don't save that i threw this away for a reason and you dug it out of the trash and you yeah, put it in this did. folder and my mom did the same thing like i found stuff that my mom saved that i threw away that i just i had drawn on mm. like oh mom if I ever become a grandma, I will do that to my grandkids. And I'll do it to my kids, I guess. But uh, can't wait to be a grandma. Um, all right. So then, you know, grandma is on the right track with being supportive. Mom, be, you know, would you say that you're closer to the female people in your life than men? I would, yeah. Yeah. I would say that. I feel like dads are sometimes harder on sons. And, you know, like I, my dad was obviously I was his only kid and he had no idea what to do Mm -hmm. with a girl. But, you know, if I would have been a boy, you know, it would have been like a million times different. Well, that's interesting. I feel like that might be what it is. My dad just got no idea what to make of it. Right. It's just not his realm, not what he's used to. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in it that just inscrutable to him. So, yeah. Has he ever read your comic books? Um, I don't believe so. I would like to be proven wrong. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe he'll listen to this, and maybe he'll listen. Yeah, maybe. Or he'll read. Okay, so fast forward to where we're at today. So you get out of college, 2010. By this time, I'm, let's see, 2010, I'm dating my husband. And 
I don't know when we connected again. It's kind of like randomly. Like, it's not that we really lost touch. It was just like life got busy and, mm-hmm. and everybody just goes their separate ways for a while. And then I feel like it was maybe like 2016 or so. I don't know when we I don't remember. reconnected. I don't, I don't remember what happened or what. I don't either. I don't know. All of a sudden you're just at my house at a barbecue one day. <laughs> well, that was last year. Yeah. It was before that. I just don't remember. I know. I don't remember. When or what for. But I, I knew that whenever I started this podcast, I was going to need some art. And so kind of like the backstory, you used to draw me in college whenever, because you would come in and sit with me because we were friends. And mm-hmm. so you'd come down to the radio station while I was on the air and you would just be bored. So you would start drawing me sitting. Like I still yeah, have all the see, drawings. There it is. Just bored and start drawing. Yeah. No, That's... you were. <laughs> and it was like really good for like a quick, you know, 20 minute drawing. So I still have the drawing of me in the studio where I had a red jacket on. And then you took a photo oh, yeah. that I, like a selfie I'd taken of myself with a digital camera and you drew that, which it's really, it's really, I think that was a birthday on. present. I think it was too. Yeah. And that's then, always nice. <laughs> like when you, you've got that easy, like fallback. Oh yeah. Like, Oh, I can make stuff. I'm poor and I can make stuff. Absolutely. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Here it is. And I still have it. I, you know, but then all these other gifts that you get people, you know, things wear out and people mm-hmm. throw them out. And then what was the, what was the, um, <laughs> the meme guy, Brian? Oh, Brian Peppers? Brian Peppers. Yeah. Scary. <laughs> I remember I would come home late at night to my dorm and you would have gotten up to my dorm because we lived in the same dorm. Yeah. And you would draw on my door, Brian Peppers was here and you would, it would be like this elaborate. Yeah. Look out, Brian's loose. <laughs> People probably had to be like, what the hell is this? That's so great. Yeah. Um, that was it, a great time for, like, that was a wild west of the internet. 2007. Was. I loved it. I don't even understand that guy. Like, I haven't looked so him up or know what he's about. I mean, it's so unfortunate. Like, you know, that the whole, <laughs> the whole world was, like, poking fun at him. That is that is what the internet is, really. Uh, you do so. you do one thing. <laughs> but for him, it was just right. taking a photo. Him, it was just being alive, right. which is sad. <laughs> it's so sad. So then... Yes, when I started this podcast or had this idea, I was like, okay, I'm also poor and I don't want to have to pay a, you know, first of all, I didn't want it to be some weird looking thing. And in fact, I'll have you know that you you and I went round and round. I said, I want it to be me laughing, Mm -hmm. which I think you and I are the only ones who maybe understand that it's me laughing because people just think I'm a weirdo. But um, so I remember whenever I started developing this podcast which it took like a handful of months to like get everything set and so i had to present the icon art to this guy that i work with and so i did and you know he was like oh this is great you know didn't really care about what i you know he's like as long as you're happy then i was walking through the halls and this guy i work with that i don't really know very well he decides that he's going to have a moment of honesty with me in the hallway, which I, it's always appreciated, but this really just aggravated me. He's like, he goes, Hey, I saw your uh, podcast art. And I'm like, Oh, great. You know, thanks. You know, what do you think? He said, well, I don't really like it. And I said, okay. I go, why not? And he goes, well, he goes, you're so pretty. And I just don't, I just don't see you. Like, it doesn't look like you. And I'm like, well, it's, it's a drawing. It's a, it's a drawing and it's not, I don't want to be, it's not about being pretty. <laughs> like, I just you're, kind you're of so, like. You're so pretty and your you're value so your value is only in your right. appearance, Lauren. Well, like, that's you, what I took it as. Mm-hmm. He probably didn't mean it that way. 
But I was like, you I'm know sure, what? I'm sure a lot of guys don't mean it that way, but they do it. In, yeah, they but say they it do anyway. it in there. So anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, oh, I, you want to go off on? <laughs> you want to go off? No, so I I loved it because it, it I, I loved it for a couple of reasons. One, you're my friend, and I was happy you helped me with that. And two, it really was conveying what I wanted. I didn't want it to be this. Uh, I think that it looks like me, and I think that it conveys what I want it to convey. And if people don't get it, I, that's kind of like I'm glad. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want everybody to get it. That's my whole thing. And so, anyway, I was really happy that you made that. In fact, so I had you do the art, and then I had my friend Jimmy. His band came up from Southern Illinois, the Number Nine Blacktops, to record the intro music, and I got to help produce that. And so it was really like a hands-on collaboration with people that have been a part of my life that I'm very grateful for. And so to me, it it matters so much. And if the marketing for other people doesn't work out, I really don't give a shit. And that's me. <laughs> and that's how I feel about it. Have you done any other marketing things like that where you've drawn for companies sure. or yeah. other people? I do. Yeah, I do all kinds of... I hate I hate doing like commission stuff, but I but I will do it. Why do you hate it? Because it's because I'm having to do something that, that, <laughs> that isn't basically. Whenever I charge for a commission, I'm like, how much is it going to take to bribe me to stop working on what I want to do, mm-hmm. working on my comics and stuff, to make something for someone else, mm-hmm. and that's the number. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. So. But. When you look at design, because I imagine when you have a degree in art and you are looking at art, like, I mean, we're in this coffee shop right mm. now and everything's artistic. Mm. It's like you can't even look around without there being some sort of fun, funky thing going down. Like, do you ever get sick of art? Like, do you get sick of, like, the same modern take on things or, like, the kitschy crap or the campy stuff? Like, do you get sick of it or are you constantly finding that art is flourished in a way that is it's never ending where you, you'll never get sick of it um not not art in general Spe- specific kinds of art sure like i'm like i sure for sure get tired of seeing some things or get tired of certain like things being lauded where i'm like well this is just hack crap mm-hmm. like why are we why are we giving this the time of day but not art in general no and that's you know whenever i think about originality and and trying to put something original into the world it's like Another another thing Neil Gaiman said. Everybody tells stories. Everybody makes stuff. Everybody you know has their thing. But right. nobody can do it the way you do it. Nobody's told the story that you tell. Right. Like nobody's. That's so. So even though you've maybe told a story that has been told before, no one can tell it in the way that you tell it. That's good. So I don't I don't consider that uh, like it running its course or it or it being redundant or things like that. Do you go to the art museum often? Yeah, a few times a year. Really? Yeah. Or or just you know I'll go to the. Um, I like going to the Cam or the Pulitzer mm-hmm. or just smaller galleries around the city. Do you uh, have favorite artists that people would know? Not mm, specific to comic books, but Not specific to, to comics? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure I do, but I'm not going to be able to think of them like oh. right off the, you know. Do you know I'm... Chuck Close's work? I do. I love him mm-hmm. so much. And I've always loved him because for some reason, I used to be a lot more artistically inclined. Mm-hmm. Oh. I used to um, paint and draw and I loved, I mean, I never got took it serious, but I... I thought I was pretty good at, I and I could visualize something in my head, especially faces. I loved painting faces and not like still life, even though you and I, I still want to do our real life. I want to draw a naked person. I've never gotten to do that and I want to go do that and we're going to have to do that this year. <clears throat> but um, 
I love like the human features of a face. And so I would find myself like, and I still do it in like meetings that I'm in where I'll start doodling faces and eyeballs. And I got, I have a specific way that I do it. And, you know, so Chuck close with his pointillism and when he gets up close and I just love how big all of his, uh, not all, but like the one at the slam is, you know, I, I can't, I, it's, it's not him. It's a different guy. I can't think of who the photo or not photo, but the pictures of, but, um, you know, you, you're far away from it. It's this massive, you know, 20 foot crazy canvas. And then when you get up close to it and you see like the detail that went into making the shadows and shapes and highlights and just form that it is and it's nothing like it looks I mean it looks like a damn Polaroid from like the end of the room Mm -hmm. and then getting up close to it I just always thought that that was so neat and so I took to him a lot because of uh, just the fact that he took a face and he broke it down into like a microbial type of project and he like that blew me away in high school when I realized who he was so he's always been a favorite of mine and like, what's your opinion of Andy Warhol? I hate Andy Warhol. See, okay. <clears throat> I can't stand him. And why is that? I think he's a hack. Really? I think, yeah, he didn't make much of his own work, and it's, there's not, I mean, I don't, ugh, yeah. I see, okay, because like I have, he, like... Like, the, you, when you're making an art in, a, art in a factory, it's not art. It's it's mass production. It's, 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 you can talk about it in the same way where someone will make a sculpture and someone will make a cup. Mm-hmm. You know, and a cup is utilitarian. It's mm-hmm. you know a, a pottery like cup. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is made to, made to be used. It's made to be. Right. He made stuff to be consumed. You know, he made stuff not for art's sake. It was mostly just like, what can I get away with? Mm-hmm. Because art is bullshit. Like, so what can I like? What kind of bullshit can I put out into the world and like get away with? And, but don't you and, think and, and make me cool? famous? Because he wanted to like his his goal wasn't to make art. His art his goal was to be famous. And yeah. he just chose art as the medium. I think that's gross. Like I think I, I think capitalism and consumer culture and like fame culture is all gross. Like <laughs> it, it, it's all disgusting to me. I, here's my thing though, because there's something. I, I mean, you can't deny that it's iconic. Oh, definitely. You know, it's like, definitely iconic and influential, and you know, right. I just hate it. So I, the uh, let's see, there was like a print exhibit at the St. Louis Art Museum last mm-hmm. year, and I Tim saw and I it. went, and and to see the Campbell soup cans. I got really, I got like goosebumps seeing them because, you, you know, you hear about them and mm-hmm. maybe you see one, but you didn't need to see them all together. It, it blew me away. And the thing that I, I have, and I don't know a lot about Andy Warhol. I know Studio 54 and like a lot of, the thing I like about his artwork and I've always liked is the colors and I like it because it, that mass production, like the Mick Jaggers he's done, the Marilyn Monroe's, the cowboy, it was James Dean cowboy. Like, I liked all of that. Like, it was visually very, it connected to me in a way that I wouldn't say in an art way. Like, I'm not looking at his stuff in the same way that I'm looking at Chuck Close's stuff. But um, I'm looking at it going, like, this appeals to me because I like funky colors and I like repetitive imagery and I like a lot of things that he did. But I can also understand where you're coming from, from a more educated opinion about that consumerism and and things like that. And that's fine. You know, I'm 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 of the position that you should just let people like what they like. Right. And that's, you know, unless that thing that they like is like hateful. Fascism. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. But personally no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not for me. Okay. Yeah. What does your apartment look like? Does it 
do you have your artwork up? Because I used to live with an artist and his stuff was, and I really enjoyed his artwork, but his, I mean, our apartment was <laughs> devoured in his artwork. And it was just, you know, it was a bonus that I actually really enjoyed his art. But I always wonder, like, if you're an artist or you make imagery for a living, like, do you put that up? And is that narcissistic to have your own artwork all over your house? I don't, I have one piece that I did up. Mostly what I like to have up is stuff that I can look at and be inspired by. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be inspired by my own work. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just go round and round. Like, right. Like, so uh, I, I have up you know, imagery that I'm, I'm inspired by. Mm-hmm. In the corner where I have my drafting table and, and all where I like, work, what I have framed is all um, x-rays and oh. um, like an MRI. It's all, it's all mine. It's all like I have, I have like a, an x-ray of my skull and then an MRI Why? of my skull. Just, these are just all like standard procedures that I had had done like oh. various times over the years. Like for orthodontics, I had like, oh. you know, my mouth x-ray. So I just got like an x-ray of my skull up there. and like, Is everything okay? Other stuff. Yeah, everything's, okay, I mean. I'm I'm dying, but no no faster we're than everybody dying. else. Um, I think. When was the last time you were inspired by something other than your skull? Oh, I'm, I'm inspired by stuff all the time. Are you? Yeah. Nothing specifically stands out though, like in the last 24 hours. Uh, not in the last 24 hours. Before I got here, I was lis- listening to another podcast about. How dare you listen to another podcast? No, <laughs> Mine is the only one. This is the only one. This is it. This is episode four. Just listen to the episodes over and over until. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was listening to um, one about Ed Pisker, who did X-Men Grand Design. I mean, among other things, but it was specifically about X-Men Grand Design. And uh, just condensing all these years of X-Men history into these books that he was putting out. So I was listening to a podcast about comic stuff while I was working on comic stuff. That's good. That's the, that's the, level, that's the level I get sometimes. What other, what other <laughs> podcasts do you subscribe to? Um, I like Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Love that podcast. Uh, David Tennant has a pod. I like that because it's just David Tennant talking to friends mm. in his dulcet Scottish tones. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I wish I had a Scottish tone. And then uh, in the dark, I listen to a lot of like true crime podcasts and stuff too. I don't get into any of that. I, I don't understand the, the murder fascination. Well, it makes it hard to sleep sometimes. I, yeah, <laughs> I would. I don't. I have a hard enough time sleeping. I don't need that to keep yeah. me up at night. Um, a lot of like. Um, I listen to mostly documentary and like kind of podcasts mm-hmm. behind the bastards. Yeah, I'm wondering how people will. T- you're the first person on this podcast of mine that I personally who know who's not of note. Who is not of note? <laughs> yes, no, you're no, the first nobody who's been the, on here. No, you're not a nobody, but you're somebody to me that I have like you know this will be episode four, and so like the first episode was a very famous musician. Mm-hmm. The second episode was a friend of mine who. He's a friend, but he's a new friend. The third episode is a new person I work with. And so you were the one, the first episode, that it's like a personal connection. And I'm wondering what, you know, especially for podcasts, because if you listen to all these different podcasts out there, mm-hmm. you know it just sounds different and it sounds more um, relaxed when it's two people that know each other well. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Mm-hmm. Like, there's been a couple of interviews with him where I go he doesn't know this person very well at all. And mm. you can tell there's some sort of tension there. And then there's the other podcasts or that he's done where you know that they've had a great rapport and they have a great history. And I like whatnot. the one with Timothy Oliphant. I haven't listened to that, that was one. A good one. I loved the David Sedaris episode. I haven't heard that one yet. Oh my God. It may, I, 
my roommate in college, Crystal, who you know, mm-hmm. she would read David Sedaris books, mm-hmm. and I never read them for whatever reason. And then listening to that Conan podcast with him, I fell in love with David Sedaris. And I'm like, I have to buy all of his books and know everything about him. And he's so interesting. I knew Amy Sedaris well. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm so, you know, that, what a cool thing that the, this type of media is doing for people everywhere, not just famous people, but giving insight to locals, national people that people should know. So I think that um, I think it's good that you're sitting here with me and talking and hopefully people understand that we have a fair, very uh, humor filled, relaxed, ridiculous friendship. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe they'll think I'm, maybe they'll think I'm just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they won't. I'm trying to think of all the dumb crap we used to say to each other, which we were doing it on the way here with the texts because all I had to say was one thirty, and then you're like, okay. And then when you got, we were supposed to be at the gramophone, but it was too loud. You're like. I have arrived. And it's just like the way that we talk to each other. I don't know if people would understand, which is how I am with a lot of my friends. I just move through the world expecting people to not understand. Yeah. I've been a weirdo my whole life. I do too. (laughs) But yeah, let's talk about that. So were you, where were you in the hierarchy of high school? Literally, like give it to me straight. I got along with everybody and everybody pretty much got along with me. Yeah. I was just kind of like, I never had like a click click really right i just you know i was in i was in drama i was in a bunch of other social clubs i just kind of you know i just kind of got along with everybody it was right. it was nice it's not hard to get along with everybody not then at least wasn't for me then yeah it seems to be becoming more and more polarized these days do you think that's because like as we get older and we become adults you start to harden up everybody <laughs> does not just you i think potentially i mean cuz in your in your youth you eventually solidify into the person that you're going to be and mm-hmm. you need to be careful about who that person is right you know and i think a lot of people do get closed off to you know like well this is the way things are and this is the way i'm going to live my life from now on right. and then they just become closed off to having that challenged or questioned mm-hmm. and people just don't respond well to to having their foundations shaken and they should, and they need to, because that's how we grow. Absolutely. Bad people just stop growing. Do you, they allow themselves to stop growing. Do you continue to learn? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I am in no way the same person I was, like, a year ago. I agree with that. I'm too. I, I find myself going to, like, <clears throat> St. Louis Community College's website often and looking at different courses I can take. Like, I've taken handfuls of them through the years. I could do, like, one a year, two mm-hmm. a year. And, um, like, the latest one I did was an improv class, and I'd never done anything like that before. And it was so great because it kind of sparked a new love of humanity, a new love of uh, humor. You know, it was very interpersonal. Got to, you know, there was old, young people in there. And I thought to myself, God, if everybody would just find something they're interested in, even if it's something they have learned before, relearn it, meet new people that are doing it, find the updated ways it's done. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like as I've gotten older, and I can say this definitely for music, you know, whenever I was younger, and I'm 34, I, I would listen to anything and everything, and I would be very open to it. And as I've gotten older... And I've worked in this business long enough to where I'm hearing classic rock nonstop. Whenever I hear a new artist, because I'm, and it's also because I'm around people with opinions of music, I'm so just bombarded with no matter what I think, there's going to be another judgment that comes with it. Or, you know, and so I try to, whenever I hear a new song, if I like it, I'm like all about it. But if I don't like it, I constantly question myself, like, why aren't we liking this? Like, what is it about what I'm hearing that I don't like? And am I being too rigid with 
newness. Well, I think that kind of introspection doesn't exist for a lot of people. Oh, and no. it should. No, it should, absolutely. Like, but I, I think, I think, because it makes it uncomfortable to, like, you know, exam, yourself. examine yourself and right. your motivations and, you know. Oh, I have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't I've think, I don't had. think either of us do. Right. But I think that's not as common as it should be. I also think people <laughs> don't, like, in a big buzzword is self-care right now. People mm-hmm. are using that term a lot, which it's okay to use that, but... You know, I think about how you, normally people don't check in with themselves, really. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I'm going through another bout of therapy. I just started up with a therapist again. And, you know, it's not for... People hear that, they go, well, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, nothing's really wrong. I'm just trying to figure out some things. And I don't want to necessarily burden the people that I... My confidants with everything. Sometimes you have to get yourself to a place that is unfamiliar to really understand what's going on. And Mm -hmm. so I like the thing about me is uh, through different periods of my life, whenever I've had a therapist, it's because I've either needed that outside source of an opinion or I don't want any, I want somebody that is completely clean slate to show me what I'm not seeing. Someone objective. Yes. And that's hard for people, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But I will say with this therapist, you know, one of the things that came up this last session, it was like, we, I talked, she asked, uh, she said something about me getting on like an antidepressant and I don't, I'm totally fine if people take those, but I'm in my own choice. I have never taken them and I don't wish to take them daily or anything like that. I hear you. And so, um, and especially with the job where my personality is like, mm-hmm. I have to kind of be right. consistent. I can't, mm-hmm. I can just all of a sudden like, Hey, I'm the sunshine. Like I'm not a sunshine. So like mostly I'm sunshine, but like there are some pretty dark moments. Like, but I think that's my personality and I can't, I can't, uh, just not have that. And, and mm-hmm. so the idea for me doing something like going on a daily, uh, antidepressant, it, it just isn't for me. And so, Anyway, what I'm trying to make my point here is that people need some more introspection of themselves. And I, I think that plays right in line with self-care where I wish more people, especially there's probably so many empaths in the world that don't even realize they have that gift to connect on such a deep understanding personal level with a person that they may not even know. And I like that is to me something that I think the societal pressures on men and women in different ways kind of divide us to not having that introspection right Mm -hmm. i mean and so i'm always amazed and i I hate saying this because it sounds sexist but i'm always amazed when i have and i have a great group of friends that all the guys are respectful loving understanding empathic humorous individuals who and i feel like we kind of cluster together because of those values that are at our core and it's just i'm always amazed with the upbringings of those people that make it out that way, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, because it's not typically, like, the the male experience that no. I've, I had, like, growing up. And I turned out the way I did inexplicably. Right. Like, it was just a good combination of other factors that allowed me to come on to a place where I'm... Existing like this. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I share that with you. you. Like, from coming up from a podunk town called West Frankfort, Illinois... <laughs> Where it is not anything to be excited about, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You know, I came out with such an open, free, loving mental state. Like, I didn't have any of the 
darkness that came with small communities that are rural like that, you know? And I think, you know, our our generation, our generation's parents, I think, still mm-hmm. came from a lot of that mentality where it was, you know, oh, we don't talk about our feelings, everything's fine. Like, yeah. Everything's on the surface, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's very, that's honestly kind of very British, like, to keep calm and carry on kind of thing. <laughs> right. But, but in this, I think in this society, it's more about, like... Don't show your vulnerability. Don't mm. show your weakness or people are going to eat you alive. Oh, my God. I'm all you about know. the vulnerability. Yeah. Well, it's honest. It's real. Mm-hmm. You know, it's authentic. I'm about that. Yeah. You know, I'm not about the putting on a front. And people will eat you alive. I mean, <laughs> Oh, they will. They most know. definitely will. And especially now with how reachable everything is. Like, I love Kate Hudson. I love her. I'll go, and I have nothing but gorgeous things to say about her and her family. But, you know, you read through some of the things that you'll see people that are hateful and and they're hate filled and they have no business bringing any of that crap that is literally about them mm-hmm. to a person that has no business even seeing it like well and it's easy cuz it's they don't have to they, they would never say anything like that to that person's face if no. they were sitting in front of them but it's you got a screen dividing you and right, it's it's, it's easy to just do yeah and i i operate the same way online that i operate in you know real life I, mm-hmm. I don't say anything online. I would never say to a person's face Me as well. ordinarily because that's just not that's just not the level of like that's the level of authenticity I want to maintain. Right. You know. Well, you are very authentic, and I think that if people got to read the Unforgiven and see it and see how much hard work goes into creating like the, like you do, I think that they'll be very impressed with you, Tyler B. Ruff. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm I'm terrible at selling myself. Yeah, you need I will. A, I will always sell myself. I'm not a. I'm not a businessman. I'm an artist. That's I'm great. a creator. He is that a creator? Much thanks to Tyler B. Ruff for sitting with me in the Grove at Rise Coffee Shop, which is an excellent place to go. There were tons of people around us on their laptops working, and it just had a really chill vibe up upstairs. So. Make sure if you ever need coffee and you're around the Grove area, you check into Rise Coffee Shop. And next month, we will have a guest, a local business owner, who I think you're really going to enjoy as well. But if you have any suggestions for guests that you'd like to uh, hear interviewed on this podcast, I am more than down for suggestions, honestly. You guys have a great month. We'll talk again on July 6th when Episode 5 comes out. Thanks for being here. Peace. Peace.